0: Press from Cast Iron Brains, a BrainIron.com production. Here's 11 minutes or less of news for today, Tuesday, December 12th, 2023. Special Counsel Jack Smith, who has indicted former President Donald Trump twice in 2023, once in June over Trump's alleged mishandling of classified documents in his post-presidency, and again in July over his efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election, on Monday asked the Supreme Court to determine whether or not Trump is immune from prosecution for crimes he potentially committed while in office. Trump's lawyers are appealing the ruling of Judge Tanya Chutkin, who rejected his claim of absolute immunity. But Smith hopes to convince the Supreme Court to rule before the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit even hears the case. Trump's lawyers have sought to delay proceedings in the case for as long as possible, hoping to push the case beyond next year's election, while Smith hopes the Supreme Court will recognize the importance of seeing the case through to its conclusion before the question of who will be the next president is put to voters in November. Smith wrote in his motion, quote, The public importance of the issues, the imminence of the scheduled trial date, and the need for a prompt and final resolution of Trump's immunity claims, counsel in favor of this court's expedited review at this time. End quote. The Supreme Court responded quickly to Smith's request, issuing a statement late Monday granting the motion and ordering Trump and his attorneys to respond by next Wednesday, December 20th. The court will, presumably, rule one way or the other on the question of presidential immunity from crimes committed while in office, or else decide that the question should instead proceed through the regular channels, sending the case back to the D.C. Circuit Court. Updating a story that the Morning Press covered last week, Kate Cox, the woman who last week won a ruling from a lower court in Texas to proceed with an abortion, will now seek the procedure outside the state after Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton appealed the case to the Texas Supreme Court. Cox's fetus has been diagnosed with a likely fatal chromosomal condition, and her own health and future fertility prospects would be put in danger by carrying the fetus to term. Cox's doctor has determined that an abortion is the safest option for her health, but the state's attorneys argued in their appeal that Cox's situation does not warrant an exception. A few hours after Cox announced that she would seek an abortion outside of Texas, the Texas Supreme Court overturned the lower court's ruling, writing that a judicial exception to the Texas abortion ban in this case was not warranted, because the question of whether or not Cox's life or health was at serious risk is a determination that Cox's doctor must reach using her, quote, reasonable medical judgment, end quote. The court wrote, quote, "...if Ms. Cox's circumstances are, or have become, those that satisfy the statutory exception, no court order is needed." end quote. Essentially, the court is saying that by seeking an exception to the ban in court, Cox's attorneys are acknowledging that her doctor had not concluded in good faith, using her reasonable medical judgment, that an abortion was necessary to, quote, save her life or to save her from a serious risk of substantial impairment of a major bodily function, end quote. That if the doctor had concluded so, or did so conclude in the future, then no court order would be necessary, The Texas Supreme Court is insisting that the law as written is already plenty clear and that the courts should not be in the business of pre-clearing exceptions to the ban. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton's insistence that Cox's doctors and anyone who helped her procure the procedure would be prosecuted probably has not instilled much faith in the public that reasonable medical judgment would be respected in this case or any other. Texas Supreme Court justices are elected in statewide partisan elections to six-year terms. A new national poll conducted by Reuters Ipsos between December 5th and 11th shows that former President Donald Trump has a slim two-point lead over President Joe Biden in a hypothetical rematch. The poll has a confidence interval of plus or minus 1.8%. Perhaps more relevant than the close national race, however, is the fact that neither candidate received even 40% support in the poll, with 26% of respondents preferring the all others or I don't know option. When the poll was widened to include Robert F. Kennedy, who has said he plans to run as an independent, Trump's lead widened to five points over Biden, with Kennedy pulling slightly more support from Biden than Trump for a total of 16%. In a bit of good news for the Biden campaign that goes against the results of other recent polling, Reuters reports that, quote, in the seven states where the election was closest in 2020, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, North Carolina, and Michigan, Biden had a four-point lead among Americans who said they were sure to vote, end quote. Nearly a third of Republican respondents to the poll also indicated that if Donald Trump were convicted of a felony by a jury, they would not vote for him. President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine is in Washington today to privately meet face-to-face with lawmakers in a bid to convince them to authorize the war aid package that President Biden first sent to Congress back in September. Zelensky will meet with senators and also House Speaker Mike Johnson before heading to the White House for a meeting with Biden. Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma was skeptical that anything Zelensky might say would have an impact. Quote, hey, pay attention to us, but not your own country. No, we've got to be able to deal with all these things together. End quote. By all these things, Lankford is referring to talks over border security and immigration reform, issues that Republicans have insisted be addressed as part of any deal that includes aid for Ukraine. Toymaker Hasbro, whose brands include Nerf, Transformers, Monopoly, Magic the Gathering, and Play-Doh, among many others, announced on Monday that it was laying off 20% of its workforce, or about 1,100 jobs. These cuts are in addition to the 800 jobs that the company has already shed in 2023, moves intended to save at least $300 million in response to waning profits as toy sales have slumped relative to the boost they received during the pandemic years. Though Hasbro reported a decline of net revenues and an operating loss of nearly $170 million in the third quarter of 2023, its adjusted operating profit of $343 million indicates that they're still well-positioned to earn a handsome living selling action figures and card games to nerds. Hasbro is owned mostly, over 80%, by a mix of hedge funds and other large financial institutions, among them the Vanguard Group, Capital Research Global Investors, and BlackRock. Now, here's a look at the weather. On Monday, a jury ruled that Google used illegal monopolistic practices in its dealings with Fortnite video game maker Epic Games. The jury concluded that the Play Store on Google's Android operating system was an illegal monopoly in the smartphone app store market, and that Google, leveraging that monopoly, engaged in anti-competitive practices that harmed Epic, especially by requiring app developers to use Google's payment system and making it difficult for them to sell outside of the Play Store. Google argued, unpersuasively, apparently, that its Play Store was not a monopoly because it was in competition with Apple's App Store, which is actually more popular in the United States. At issue is the 30% cut Google receives from purchases made on their platform, and to what extent they make it difficult for other app stores to compete on the Android system. Epic lost a similar court fight against Apple two years ago, a result that is currently being appealed. Google and Apple have both argued that without their firm control over the apps that consumers can easily install on their phones, the ecosystems would suffer, both in terms of quality and security, while opponents counter that consumers should be free to choose what does and does not belong on their own devices, and Google and Apple's practices stifle innovation as well as competition. Google has said they will appeal this result, and these cases are likely to eventually be decided by the Supreme Court that's the news, here's the weather. Despite being a longtime Google loyalist and apologist and even enthusiast, I can't help but feel a nagging sense that the company has lost the plot a bit over the past few years. They're about to fold Google Podcasts into YouTube Music just a few years after they killed Google Play Music, which was a music and podcast listening service that I had used to organize and access my digital music library for years. How long will the YouTube Music with Podcasts app last before they decide to cleave them off again? Google Play Movies and TV, a service from which I have bought movies and television shows in the past, is being folded soon. With the content that I purchased and stored and organized there, apparently now to be accessed through YouTube or the library section of my Android TV app. It would be one thing if I trusted the consolidation to stick, but it seems just as likely that Google will, 18 months from now, announce some other new branch in its ecosystem that will change how I interact with its products. And that just barely scratches the surface of the changes Google has made to its core product offerings, seemingly indifferent to the experience of the end user, me. Through the years, I've lost access to products and services that I've used every day, including Pixel Pass, Google Hangouts, Duo, URL Shortener, Chromecast Audio, Google Newsstand, Google Reader, the Nexus line of phones, GChat, Google Plus and Buzz, and plenty of others. At the same time... I'm a happy Google Fi customer. I have owned some version of the flagship Android device going all the way back to the Nexus 4. Would likely experience some sort of extremely negative physiological reaction to any indication that Google Drive or Google Docs was being messed with in any way. And don't anticipate leaving the ecosystem anytime soon. I'm not even sure I'd know how to divorce myself from Google at this point. Google has, in the last decade or so, become not just a part of my technological life, but the very digital water I'm swimming in. The company is a weirdly huge part of my life, and they are completely, totally, hilariously unaccountable to me. For the most part, this has worked out just fine so far. The weather here, in my Google climate-controlled ecosystem, has been, despite the occasional destabilizing storm, pretty nice. The problem is, I don't control the weather. I'm just subject to it. That's the weather from here. How's it look out your window? The Morning Press is a production of the brainiron.com multinational media empire. Please direct comments and complaints to brainironpodcast at gmail.com or visit the website at brainiron.com. For a transcript of today's episode and links to the stories referenced, find The Morning Press at brainiron.substack.com. Thanks, and barring the sudden onset of the inevitable, we'll talk to you tomorrow. The proceeding was created with 100% human content.